The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. All right, today's show, uh, the day before the draft, is brought to you by MyBookie, my good friends at MyBookie. Uh, go to MyBookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. Look, you've got the NBA playoffs coming up, you've got the NHL playoffs coming up, but you also have a draft and a lot of prop bet draft opportunities at MyBookie. I mean, tons of them. Go to MyBookie, MyBookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC, and they'll match your deposit, and you can bet on a bunch of things related to the draft, and that'll tee up for the NBA and the NHL playoffs when they begin. Countdown mode until tomorrow night's NFL draft, Uh, and that's the mode we're in on this podcast. Uh, We're going to try something different today. Two different interview podcasts. The first with my good friend Ben Standig, who writes for The Athletic, who is a two-time champion in the Huddle Reports competition for mock drafters. He won it in 2012. He won it in 2019. Uh, We are going to do something with Ben here starting in about a minute uh, that will get us into a lot of draft conversation and guesswork. And then later on this afternoon, early this evening, I'm going to put out a podcast, an interview with Stanford Steve Coughlin, my good friend, who is Scott's partner, co-host on Scott's Sports Center. But more than that, Stanford Steve is one of the college football gurus at ESPN, gambling-wise for sure, but also as an analyst. Um, And we'll get into a lot of the players and analyzing some of the players um, with Steve. But I'm starting with Ben today, and we're going to do something, Ben, that I gave you a little bit of a heads up on. We're going to do a mock draft to start, and we're going to do a mock draft without any trades so that we can get to 19 uh, and determine here today a reasonable projection on who Washington will have at 19 to choose from if they actually draft at 19. So we're going to start with that, and then I'm going to get into some of Ben's column from earlier this morning where he had some proposed Washington trades. Uh, But we start with, and Ben is ready to do this, a mock draft. Ben's going to draft first on behalf of Jacksonville. We'll go back and forth until we get to Washington selection at 19 where we will both then pick who we think Washington would select based on the board at that point. You, sir, 
kick it off for us with Jacksonville at number one. Well, I guess I won't stall here. Uh, it would be the upset of upsets if it wasn't Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback from Clemson. So we'll, we'll go with him. And I'll go with the Jets at number two with Zach Wilson. I think the biggest shocker tomorrow night would be if it's not Lawrence or Wilson 1-2. I'm curious, do you think there there's any chance that it's not? There was a report that Urban Meyer has three quarterbacks that he's considering, Lance, Fields, and Lawrence. Um, he did uh, The report did not mention Mac Jones. Um, do you see either one of those two teams pulling off what would be the shocker of the night because those have been the two most consistently drafted players to teams over the last couple of months? Yeah, that the, 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 it, 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 Trevor Lawrence, I don't buy that it would be anything but him. The, I, he, he's 100%. I, for, Zach Wilson, I would put it 95, which isn't to say that it wouldn't be him. It's just... I don't know. So I had somebody randomly tell me to keep an eye on fields and they didn't need to. And I don't think that there would be somebody that would be lying to me, but I, that was just one thing. So yeah, Lawrence one, Wilson two would be my assumption. That it would be a, a shocker and my mock drafts will be a disaster if it's not that. All right. Uh, you're on the clock with the 49ers at three. Yeah. I mean, definitely wavering a bit more on this one. I mean, obviously Mac Jones has been my, my my answer. I mean, if you read what Kyle, if you, if you listen to Kyle Shanahan's presser the other day, which was just a wild uh, a wild thing, I think he still gave enough rationale to explain that the answer is going to be for him, Mac Jones, and I think he's the ultimate one that makes the pick. But the just the sense I get is there's still, there's more hesitation out there from folks about that it could be Lance, but I, I'll go with Mac Jones. I think it's going to be Mac Jones. Um, somebody sent me last night. Um a press conference that I thought was from this week, and then fortunately my producer told me it was from 2018, where Kyle uh, was asked about the effectiveness of the read option, the zone read. You know, there's still people that that don't get it in, in football media. They think somehow it's gone away. It's actually proliferated um, and grown, and Kyle basically said, I don't know what you're talking about. The thing is still really viable, and if you've got the kind of quarterback to run it, it's one of the most difficult things to defend because it's 11 on 11. This is the thing back in 2012. I'll never forget having a conversation with Mike Shanahan during the week, not on the air. And he said, I don't, you know, and I remember saying to him, like, I think it was Greg Cosell or Pete Prisco or somebody called it the wishbone. I said, nobody understands what you're doing. I said, I know what the formation is because I've watched Utah State and Chris Alt at the college level. And I said, but what's the biggest benefit? And he, he said, 11 on 11 football. He said, you get to play 11-on-11 instead of 10-on-11 offensively when your quarterback is posed as a legitimate run threat on every play. And that's what's changed that. So anyway, it's a long way of getting to when I saw that, you know, everybody was saying, well, it's not going to be Mac Jones. He still wants that quarterback. The problem is, is he's had the most success with Matt Schaub, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, so Mac Jones totally fits that. I just think it's going to be Jones. I think that's the kind of quarterback they prefer, but they love the other style of offense if that's the kind of quarterback they have. But I think they prefer this. So anyway, if it's not Jones, by the way, real quickly, who would it be? Uh, Lance. I think you're right. All right, I'm on the clock, number four. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons with no trades right now, the way we're doing it, they select Kyle Pitts 
tight end Florida, maybe the best pound-for-pound player in this draft. You're on the clock with the Bengals at five. I'll just say that I my sense, if I had to guess right now, is that Trey Lance's floor is four. Whether that's the Falcons or something else, that, okay. my guess is he's at four. I mean, logically, I'm with you. I would take Pitts if I was at if I was Atlanta keeping the pick. But um, So five, I mean, another pick that's just off the charts crazy. If it was my rationale, I would go with Penny Sewell for their – logic of you know i want to block to protect my franchise quarterback in joe burrow but i i it just if i'm trying to read the, the momentum right it just feels like there's more going with jamar chase there's the reunion with joe burrow they do need a receiver and there are offensive linemen that the bengals can get at the top of round two they're all also receivers as well but i'll go with jamar chase even if it's not what i would do all right you've got cincinnati taking chase oh, i've yes, got cincinnati. Miami, uh, you and i've got miami on the clock i want to just go back to one thing real quickly um when the report came out about atlanta potentially looking to move on from julio jones what surprised me is how many people said, oh, well, then they're going to take Chase or they're going to take Smith or they're going to take Waddle or, or, or Pitts. Um, to me, if they move on from Julio Jones, they are essentially admitting we're rebuilding um, and we're going to take a quarterback at four. I don't see them moving on from Julio Jones and I think the best thing for Atlanta would be to take Kyle Pitts and team him up with Hayden Hurst and Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones and Matt Ryan and then may- maybe try to, to work their way into a, a portion of the draft where they could take one of the top three or four running backs to add to that offense and say, uh, we're going to score 30-plus points a game. You're, we're going to be impossible to check. Look, they were already really good offensively at times last year. Imagine Pitts and a better running back, because right now their running back situation um, is uh, Mike Davis, you know, who I've always liked out of South Carolina, but you know, isn't you know what you would call a premier back. That's it. Their their running back situation is Mike Davis, so they're going to be in the in the running back. Uh, you know, um, uh, they've got to improve their defense too. Let's not forget that they have to improve defensively. I, I, I get it, but I just think if they if they trade Julio Jones, to me that says rebuild quarterback. What does it say to you? Yeah, if they trade Jones, I agree. I mean, the 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 basic the issue here with Atlanta trying to decipher what they're doing is it's not so much about the player. It's about the organizational philosophy. You've got a new head coach and a new general manager. They don't have to take the short-term view. I mean, you can, and you have Matt Ryan, there is logic to to do that. And I agree with you. I, I like, and I don't, I, I haven't studied Atlanta's whole roster, but if you add Kyle Pitts to that group now in, in a year where Drew, you know, Drew Brees is, is retired. So the saints in theory could be down a little bit just in that division. And, you know, I think the NFC is, you know, somewhat open, right? Um, I, I think Atlanta could be super interesting. But, yeah, if they're actually going to trade Julio Jones, that would be, you know, they do have other options. But, yes, that would be a sign of saying we have, we're have we in cap hell and we're just going to take a hit now from a win-loss perspective. Therefore, it makes the most sense to take the quarterback because we hope to never be picking four anytime soon. So we'll take we'll take the, you know, we'll bite the bullet. We'll take the, we'll, we'll take the quarterback. And, and move on uh, that's that would be my guess and that's kind of why i'm saying whether it's for that reason or other reasons that lance's floor to me feels like it's four one way or the other 
All right. Um, I'm on the clock because we've gone with no trades. We're Ben Standig um, and, and yours truly mocking it out to 19 to see what we think will be left for Washington with no trades. Lawrence one, Wilson two, um, Mac Jones three, Pitts four, uh, and you took Jamar Chase at five. Now, I, I think the Dolphins would love Jamar Chase, and I think they probably think highly of Devontae Smith and Waddle as well. But I'm going to go with the first tackle off the board and say that it's Penny Sewell from Oregon. By the way, I don't get the Slater over Sewell thing, but I think the hardest position, one of the hardest positions for people like us to evaluate are offensive linemen. So I will trust that Slater must be really good. Um, but I'm going to go Sewell. They drafted Jackson last year. He can play right tackle. You know, they added Will Fuller. They, uh, they've got Gesicki, who was really impressive last year year, whether it was with uh, Tunga Vailoa or um, with with Fitzpatrick. I'm going to go Sewell, left tackle, Oregon to Miami at six. You're on the clock with Detroit. Yeah, so we're not doing trades. If we were doing trades, this is a classic spot to do a trade if you're Detroit because it feels like the best options for them are gone and there would be, you know, even if it's just Denver moving up two spots from nine to seven to to get one of the quarterbacks because you still have Fields and Lance there. I don't see Detroit taking a quarterback, so I won't. Uh, Jalen Waddle, um, you know, it, it feels like it's not the best value here, but at the same point, he's very, he's an explosive playmaker. They need a receiver, so give me Jalen Waddle to the Lions. So why, I asked one of my guests this morning on the radio show, um, by the way, I had, um, I had uh, Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus on the radio show this morning. It was actually very good. I like Sam. Um, you can listen to that on the Odyssey app. Um, and I also had, I mean, it was all of uh, an hour and a half ago, Ryan Wilson from CBSSports.com on the radio show. And I asked him the question I'm going to ask you. Why isn't anybody, obviously they know that Brad Holmes uh, and Dan Campbell aren't going to draft a quarterback there, but why isn't Detroit considering a quarterback there? Who thinks Jared Goff is their future? If if Sean gave up on him, that that tells me all I need to know about Goff's future. Why isn't anybody thinking, or why isn't Detroit thinking quarterback? Well, oh, so Washington tried to get Matthew Stafford right, offered a first and a third. The the Lions essentially made the exact same offer, except because they took Jared Goff, they got the extra first to sort of make up for the money they were going to have to take on. The guy who made the trade, Brad Holmes, was part of the group that drafted Jared Goff. And while the first round pick that future first is interesting, it's not that interesting to have to take on Jared Goff if he's that much of a disaster. So my assumption is Brad Holmes thinks there's still something to be mined out of Jared Goff, that he was somebody that was really pushing for Jared Goff. And, you know, it's sort of my same thing here with with, with the Garoppolo conversation. I, I feel like we've gotten like kind of out of whack here with the idea of like what is a good quarterback like. Fine, if McVay wants to bail, and I, I I get it, but like that, it just feels like we're taking it like to the extreme. Like it, Jared Goff was a quarterback in the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago, and I'm not saying he was the reason they went there, but I don't think he's like a disaster. And I think you know, with a, you know, I think Detroit's kind of thinking, you know, w- there's enough in here to take a shot. And uh, worst case, if he if, it, if we're wrong and he stinks, we'll be in position to get a quarterback again next year. So I think they want to see Goff. That's what they didn't have to take him on to do that trade. They did it, I think, because they actually wanted to see what he still had, what he could do. 
Um, you've got Detroit taking Waddle. Uh, I've got Carolina at eight. Um, on the radio show yesterday with Brendan, my producer, that's this is where I mocked a trade with Washington trading up to field to get Fields. I do not subscribe to the theory that Carolina is in the QB market. However, I do think it's also interesting that they have yet to pick up the fifth year option on Darnold. So that could be a bit of a tell. Um, maybe they're waiting there at eight to see which quarterbacks drop. And what we've done so far is we don't have Lance gone um, yet. Um, so uh, maybe Carolina would draft Trey Lance. But I'm going to say that it's Rashawn Slater, the tackle out of Northwestern. By the way, it would not surprise me if they went with Derisaw. Um, but I think it's going to be a tackle there for Carolina if if we're doing no trades here uh, as we build our way to 19 with Washington. So I've got Rashawn Slater, you know, the consensus, either first or second best tackle in this draft going to Carolina. They've got a need there, even though I think Matt Rule, uh, a defensive mind, and I, I love the staff there. Um, would probably be drooling over the the Micah Parsons possibility at eight, uh, but who knows about Parsons? I'll go Slater eight. Uh, you've got nine with Denver. Yeah, I think cornerback is also in play for for Carolina, and there's some people in the league who think eight is the floor for Fields, but um, we'll see. Uh, all right, so in this case, if not for Denver, you'd have to be feeling pretty good. Quarterback seems to be the. The, the obvious pick for them, there's, there's two guys still on the board. I don't definitively know whether they like Fields or, or Lance more, but I'm, I'm going to go with Trey Lance. Um, you know, there is an opportunity for somebody to play this year because Drew Locke is obviously not all that, and that's not Trey Lance. So if they want the this year quarterback, then Fields would be the answer. But that said, I'll, I'll go with Trey Lance, um, nine to Denver. And here we go with Fields being the guy that's dropping, which I think has probably been the consensus on the quarterback that will drop in this draft. Chris Sims mocked out Justin Fields last night to Tampa at 32. Um, I just don't see how that happens. But clearly there is something about Justin Fields with a lot of teams um, that that maybe we, we don't see. All right, uh, the Cowboys – I've got their selection at number 10. Um, you know, other than Lawrence and Wilson, it's probably been Patrick Sertan to the Cowboys mocked more than anybody else. Personally, I think there's a chance that J.C. Horn or or even Newsom, probably not Newsom at 10, but, but I think Newsom's really good. But I'm going to go Patrick Sertan corner um, to, uh, to the Cowboys uh, from Alabama to, to the Cowboys at, at 10. So you're now on the clock with the Giants. All right. I'm on the clock with the Giants. Uh, I would have liked Jalen Waddle. Perhaps he's gone. Slater would have been a possibility. He's gone. Um, you know, they're not going to, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. You said, how come we don't talk about these other teams? Or we don't talk about the Lions taking a quarterback. It's, I think it's sort of funny we don't talk about the Giants taking a quarterback, even though <laughs> I, I'm not completely, like, throwing in the town Daniel Jones. It's only been two years, but at the same point in this era where we're just throwing quarterbacks out immediately. Gettleman's not doing that though. He would never admit defeat this quickly. Well, and also for Gettleman, he Gettleman needs to win. And based on that, like uh, the Dustin Fields is, or any, you know, it's not going to, is not going to help him. But I think somebody that could help him that I think would make sense if they're comfortable with him sort of as a person is Micah Parsons from Penn state. Um, You know, uh, he's arguably the best defender in this class or right there with Sertan. Um, you know, the athleticism, the talent is not really up for debate. It's just more of a matter of, 
Um, you know, he's got some background stuff that teams are going to have to be comfortable with. Based on this board, um, I think he's the pick for me for the Giants at 11. All right. So Parsons doesn't slip in our little mock draft here, um, which a lot of people are predicting a big drop for him because of the red flags. Um, by the way, just real quickly, I don't, I just don't think if Parsons got to 19 that Washington would take him. I think we would know that there was something there. And with this particular coach, I think what's really clear is culture, character, you know, that whole thing, and not taking on big risks. Um, anyway, all right, uh, that leaves me with Philadelphia at 12, and that leaves uh, me with the opportunity to select a second straight receiver for them in the first round. And this one, I think they get right. And I think it's Devontae Smith. I think there would be some some Horn, uh, J.C. Horn, corner South Carolina discussion for Philly. Um, but I will go Devontae Smith, 12 to the Eagles. And I think they end up out of the th- – you know, look, I love Chase a lot. But to me, they get the absolute sure thing or the lowest bust potential of the three big wide receivers in Devontae Smith at 12. You've got the Chargers at 13. Yeah, Smith is a really interesting one to me from the mock draft perspective. All the public talkers love the, love him, love him, love him. They all put him up in their top five, top six of, of their big boards. I don't know. I have not gotten that vibe from the teams, and it's maybe just biased towards his size. Um, I had one GM tell me he could see him slipping past 15. I mean, and that's why, um, you know, I, I, I mentioned Devonta Smith in, in the story I have up on the athletic where I did the three-way mock drafts, not because I think he would be there, but, but like he might be. I mean, I don't think it's inconceivable is my only point, but 12 is makes total sense based on how most people are projecting the world that the Eagles would take him. Um, the, all right, so 13 of the Chargers, you'd have to imagine they're taking an offensive lineman, though cornerback is a need for them, and sure. Horn is still on the board here. Yep. Um. So, uh, you know, I'm trying to decide, well, how do I want to – do I want to play this out based on, like, things for wa- looking to Washington? No, do it – you, you mock it like you, you're on the clock for the Chargers. Yeah. Um. Well, in this case, I guess I, – I guess I would go with – Man, are they really not going to take? All right, I'll just say this: I would have to guess that J.C. Horn is higher on their big board than Darisaw, who's an interesting prospect for sure. Um, he's going to get picked here somewhere fairly high, but I, I don't know. I feel like there's a little more warts on him, and Horn seems like pretty clean. So uh, they need a corner, and there's tackles available in round two. So I'll go J.C. Horn with some trepidation because I just hard to believe they wouldn't take a, an offensive lineman in the first round to protect Herbert, but I'll go JC Horn. All right. I've got Minnesota. <clears throat> this makes it really easy for Minnesota because they have a major offensive line need. I mean, they have defensive needs as well. Um, and now they've got the choice of Darisaw or Elijah Vera Tucker. Now their, their true need is a left tackle. They've got Brian O'Neill on the right side. Remember they drafted Ezra Cleveland last year, who was a projected first rounder. They got him in the second round, but they had to move him to guard because he wasn't a tackle. You know, they drafted Bradbury a few years ago. They've got, you know, at least their right side covered. They are, they really, I think Cousins was the third most pressured quarterback in the NFL last year. They have with it, with, by the way, with a phenomenal run game, which tells you how bad that offensive line was. 
Um, I think it'll be Derisaw here um, to Minnesota because I think they're going to go with the true left tackle. But everything I read about Vera Tucker has him flying up boards and being a guy that everybody thinks is a sure thing. Whether it's a tackle or guard, it doesn't matter. They're confident that this guy is a player. Um, but I'm going to go with the Vikings taking the tr- the the absolute monster-sized left tackle from Virginia Tech, Christian Derrissaw at 14. You've got the Patriots at 15, and we have Justin Fields still there. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't like doing trades in my mock drafts in general. It's hard enough to pick to, to match the player with the team, and now I'm going to try to guess which trades happen. But, you know, and obviously New England, it's not their nature to, to make these trades up, but – you know, they've been obviously aggressive this offseason and the long-term quarterback, it just feels like that's their biggest issue. So it wouldn't stun me if if they, despite their nature, didn't trade up. But in this case, they don't have to because one of the quarterbacks falls. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have Justin Fields uh, get out of the green room or the, whatever that room is called uh, if they have that this year in Cleveland. I don't even know if he's going. Uh, but uh, we'll go with Justin Fields to the Patriots. All right, that puts me with the Cardinals at 16. You know, there are a bunch of different needs um, with the Cardinals, who also sort of fancy themselves to be a contender as well. Um, I am going to go with who I think the best player on their board in the moment would be, and that would be Elijah Vera Tucker, um, the offensive lineman from uh, from Southern Cal. Um, I'll go Vera Tucker at 16, and they will find a place for him to play immediately. You get the Raiders at 17. Yeah, I would I would just say keep an eye on – I mean, I, I, I like that pick. I would keep an eye on Zayvon Collins um, for the Cardinals at 16. All right, the Raiders at 17. So, again, I, I'm, I'm trying not to think about Washington, but it becomes pretty hard here. Now, on the one hand, I think for the Raiders, I think this is either an offensive tackle or – Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa, the linebacker from Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. The, the tackle I would want, Darisaw is off the board. The, the Raiders need a right tackle, which would put Tevin Jenkins in play because he is a right tackle. I don't think Tevin Jenkins is in play for Washington needing the left tackle. Um, I've heard he's sort of a quirky prospect, Tevin Jenkins, and I don't know. Some people think he could slip a bit, even though the moment, there seems to be some momentum publicly. I would love for I would love for for this other player to be there for Washington because I think it would be the guy that that would be be so fun for Ron Rivera's defense. You know, he's had the Shaq Thompson type versatile players. When it, when Rivera talks about wanting the Kevin Pierre Lewis, he's not talking about that human being. He's talking about that type of person, the the speed, athletic uh, linebacker who can cover. And I think that's Owusu Karamoa, but I'm gonna have to go with him here to the Raiders at 17, um, the way I would see the board. All right, that leaves me with Miami's second first-round pick at 18. I gave them Sewell at 6, so they want to continue to add to an offense to help out Tunga Vailoa. There are several options here. Um, for uh, Miami at this spot. I think they're looking for a playmaker. The three big receivers are gone. It doesn't mean a guy like Bateman or even Tony could go up to 18 um, as they look for, you know, they they added Fuller. They've got Parker. Um, I know they liked the quarterback from Kentucky that they uh, added. Um, Why am I blanking on his name who played receiver for them last year? Remember the quarterback from Kentucky? Uh, Bowden? Bowden. Lynn Bowden Jr. Um... 
Boy. They also need a big time back. I just think that Najee Harris, and I know what the theory is on a lot from a lot of people on backs. Um, I'm not thinking about Washington right now, okay? What I want left over for Washington. But I am going to mock Najee Harris running back Alabama to the Dolphins at 18. And they now you've given them, a, a, I think, the most impactful potential back in the draft, a guy that could be day one a major influencing, impacting player like Zeke Elliott was as a rookie, like Barkley you know, was potentially on the verge of, of becoming as a rookie. Um, I'll go Harris to Miami at 18. So I gave them the left tackle, and I gave them another playmaker. All right, that leaves us at 19, Ben. And I know, I think I know who you're going to mock at 19, and I think it might be a little bit of a surprise to some people, but I'll let you go first. We know who's on the board right now. Um, uh, You know, they're not going to draft Quiddy Pay, who's still there. Uh, Farley's a corner. Jenkins, the offensive lineman, is there. Um, uh, Parsons is gone. Newsom the corner. Tony the receiver. Bateman the receiver. Jamin Davis the linebacker. Who, based on the mock that we just did, do you have Washington selecting? Man, I mean, I have Washington selecting a trade down, uh, which is one of the was one of the scenarios I ran through um, in, in in my article. I mean. I'm not saying that there's not players that are worthy here. It just feels like there are some guys that I would consider that I think they might consider that I suspect you could get a, a few picks later. And I'll just to, just to deviate quickly. I think one thing that's interesting for Washington is like, if you look at this board, for example, there has not been a single edge rusher picked, right? Right. Edge rusher is a very premium position. And there's some interesting players, Quiddy pay Jalen Phillips, um, Aziz Ojolari. This could be a spot where some team says, Hey, I want to trade up. Um, to get to, to get that first edge rusher because the Colts at 21, the Titans at 22, Jets at 23 could all possibly take one. If you're really into the Travis Etienne thing, you, you may have to decide you need to jump up too to get ahead of some of these teams in that range I just said um, as as well. And there is still the you know the fourth receiver, whomever whomever you deem that to be would still be on the board. So I, I think Washington could be an interesting trade spot. Also. You know, with the news today that Caleb Farley is now tested positive for COVID on top of the 20 other things that seemingly have happened to this kid, it looks like Greg Newsom to me, the the, the Northwestern cornerback, is pretty obviously the third main – he's the third corner. And, again, if you want that guy you know, at, a, at a big spot, you may need to move up to, um, to, to get him. All that said, if you're making me stay here, you know, the, 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 trade, for, the trade for Eric Flowers to me says – that they're not going to panic on the offensive line. That with Flowers and Schweitzer, they've got two options at left guard. It doesn't make logical sense that Sadiq Charles will be the third guy there. Like that, it seems to me, if I'm guessing right, they're they're viewing Sadiq Charles as a left tackle now. Um, I, I'm it could be all about versatility and value, but like you know, what I mean, like you can't you can't just have a bunch of guys. You can't have ten guys. You have to have somebody's got to play at some point. And if you drafted another offensive lineman here, like that, you know, what I mean, like where are you putting everybody? So linebacker to me is still the big is, is, is the other big issue. Jamin Davis is somebody that I, I know they've shown interest in. 
he's been, you know, if you look at like Kuiper, I think has him like, you know, ranked pretty high, like top 15, I want to say among prospects. I think Daniel Jeremiah, the same, our guy, Dane Brugler has him in the forties, but he's a three down, you know, potential three down talent, incredibly athletic. You know, if we're, they need more playmaking out of that position behind that group. So again, I think trade down would be where I want to go. So Jamin Davis from Kentucky would be my answer. Uh, the other guy I'm going to look at though is Trayvon Morig. I don't know if I'm saying that right. The safety from TCU. I, I've heard that Washington is interested in him. I, again, it may be more of it's a trade down scenario, but I've heard there's interest there and he's obviously another position of need. Well, um, average minds think alike. Um, I, first of all, think if, if they get into this position, they're going to take their highest rated player on their board. If it's really close with other players, they will go with the guy that fills the need. You know, in this particular spot, you know, there are a lot of possibilities. Um, I think they'll be, you know, somewhat upset that Ouso Koromoa didn't make it to him at 19. Um, or that a guy like Vera Tucker, you know, didn't didn't last, or Derisaw didn't last. But I think w- the more we get closer to tomorrow night, I think we're starting to realize that there is a decent chance that the, you know, the running backs. Uh, I'm sorry, not the running backs. The um, the offensive linemen are going to be gone um, by the by the time they get to 19. And I'm with you. I, I bet that Tevin Jenkins doesn't quite, you know, rank up there with. Uh, the Vera Tucker and the Darisaw hope that one of them drops to 19. Um, I think that Jamin Davis would be the highest rated player on their board. There, it would probably be close with a couple of other players, including Newsom, who I think is really, really good. By the way, Newsom played on an excellent defensive team and an excellently coached defensive team last year, as did Jamin Davis playing for Mark Stoops and, and Kentucky. Kentucky was actually one of the better defensive teams in the SEC last year. Alabama wasn't good on defense. LSU wasn't good on defense. Florida wasn't good on defense last year. Um, Kentucky was really good defensively. Georgia was good defensively. They have shown, you know, that playmaking ability and speed on defense in the front seven in particular is a real emphasis. And Davis has freakish athletic ability, real speed, and it worries me that he hasn't played a lot. But if Mark Stoops and that staff defensively, you know, I think they'd be able to really give Rivera and Del Rio and company a good read. I'm saying Davis, too, at 19, based on what we just did. I think there's a real chance that somebody's going to go big on Davis because of the potential, despite the number of snaps and games he played. But when you watch him on you know, just highlights of games tapes, not coaches' tapes, what you see is just an incredible athletic linebacker, and he basically steps in day one, hopefully, and takes the spot that KPL um, leaves you know open, and you've got Bostic, Holcomb, and Davis behind one of the best and deepest front fours in the NFL. And and, and I guess I'll just say you know to what you know you, you talk to any human, you don't always necessarily know who they are just based on a conversation. But I've talked to um, two prospects in this draft. One is Penny Sewell, and one is Jamin Davis, who came on my podcast. And just in terms of my vibe on him. Seems like a pretty nice kid. Um, that's a sense I had. Like he was, you know, you know, he, he's he, he was on his p's and q's. Um, you know, but but you know, but it was a little fun as well. 
Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't, if I'm viewing it from like the team perspective, you know, you have these interviews and not that he's viewing the same as talking to me as talking to Ron Rivera or, or, or Pete Carroll or anybody like that. But, you know, we've all been in situations where the athlete comes in and could not care less. And I'm just saying he was, he seemed like a pretty nice kid. He was focused, attentive, was, you know, was cool. So I think from that, you know, culture is obviously a big deal is my point with all this. And I don't think that would be any, any type of red flag as far as I could tell on that end. So I, I think that would be another thing to consider, um, you know, if, if he's the guy. Well, those are, th- those are things that are important. And one of the reasons Ben's done so well in his mock drafting over the years, and Tommy said this yesterday, Ben's got really good sources and has developed really good sources over the years. And like in thinking about Davis and also in thinking about Newsom, because I think Newsom would be in play here for Washington at 19, even though a lot of, of our fans don't think, you know, corner would be in sort of the top three need. It's on the need list. I mean, don't try to act like it's not on the need list. It's on the need list. But, you know, Newsom, who is highly competitive and is played for a guy like Pat Fitzgerald, who is so respected by NFL coaches as a defensive mind and a defensive coordinator, and if all of the due diligence on somebody like Newsom from a guy like Fitzgerald, you know, said uh, this is can't miss in terms of the, uh, the you know the, the the person he is, the character um, that he has, um, it wouldn't surprise me if Newsom, first of all, is the third corner. The Farley thing, forget the forget the COVID positive test today. The the two back issues would would be a, a major red flag for me. Those are things you don't necessarily recover from or and, and sometimes are never right from. That's a big risk when we're talking about the lower back in that particular situation for that player that's got to, by, by the way, rely on speed, stop and start, change of direction. Um, I, I would not draft Caleb Farley based on two major back um, issues. Uh, but Newsom would be my second pick behind Davis there. And I think in just sort of, you know, Stoops and Fitzgerald are two guys. I bet you that Del Rio and Rivera and her, all of these people have had many conversations with before and probably think highly of their uh, opinions. So maybe they, you know, maybe they find out that there isn't something, that there's something there that worries them. But. You and I landed on the same spot. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. Ben's going to stick with us for a few more minutes because Ben wrote a long column on The Athletic today, which included the potential trade options for Washington. He got very creative. He'll share that with us next. By the way, I want to mention, too, not only does Ben write for The Athletic, he has an outstanding um, podcast as well called Standing Room Only, and you can get that wherever you get a podcast. Uh, More on the trade possibilities for Washington that Ben has thought out right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Ben Standing and I just went through a first-round mock with no trades up to 19 where Washington selects, and we both landed on the same pick, Jamin Davis, linebacker, Kentucky. My um, other choice would be uh, Newsom, the corner from Northwestern, um, at 19. Um, however, that's not how this draft more likely will play out. So before I get to the trades, which I thought you creatively put together, based on a lot of discussion with various people too, these aren't just, you know, you just winging it at a bar um, with a bunch of friends. Um, God, I would like to do that though. I do want to ask you, yeah, we, we could we could do that, you know, uh, this <laughs> afternoon. Um, I do want to ask you what you think um, the possibilities are of trades before we get to Washington at 19 um, and you know or or to a team in the top 10 that Washington may trade up for because you've got trades back but where do you think the most likely trades happen yeah I mean it's an interesting draft class we've I mean it, it feels incredibly chaotic and in talking to people around the league everybody's saying to some version of boy this is the craziest thing I've ever seen you know all that stuff and we'll see if it plays out that way but the the reason why i think it's that way on some level is you've got these five quarterbacks and depending on what happens starting at number three with the 49ers and then four with atlanta could really dictate how this goes um you know if mac jones isn't the third pick he could slip all the way into the teens um you know if if atlanta atlanta could take a quarterback for one way or the other and you know we, we could have all five quarterbacks off in the board in the top seven if say detroit trades out i feel like to me detroit is the team that like it, it just makes too much sense for them to trade out if there's a world where penne sewell falls to them or jamar chase maybe that doesn't happen which is possible for sure but it just feels like that's a team that would make a lot of sense to trade out based on where they're at they're not really trying to you know they're not really competing this year so that that would make sense and atlanta man i would just love to get the, a better total read on them i like I said, I feel like the floor for Trey Lance is four, but I don't necessarily know if that means Atlanta would la- would take Lance for themselves. They could, or if that means they're they're the team willing to trade down for say Denver um, to 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 move up. Uh, so I think that is the thing. Beyond that, it's just hard to look at too many other players and, and just say that there's th- these players are so coveted that somebody's wanting to trade up. Maybe somebody moves up to try to get ahead of Carolina for Patrick Sertain. Um, but uh, th- th- those would be the trades. And he- here's the other random one. I- if I said this already, you'll tell me to stop. But I-, I think the guy who's the most interesting player for Washington on some level that has nothing to do with 19 is sort of the combination of Penny Sewell and Rashawn Slater. In the board that we presented, where Sewell goes six and Slater goes eight, the offensive lineman will likely then get pushed up with Darisaw and um, Vera Tucker getting picked higher and i think that leads to the board that we're looking at here where we end up with jamin davis but if there's a world where slater goes 13 to the chargers which i think is absolutely in play i think most mock drafts sort of reflexively kind of have that um if that happens now darisaw is going to get knocked down and if he gets knocked down to 17 
I don't know if he gets past the Raiders. And if he get, doesn't get past the Raiders, then I think Ouso Koromo is there at 19. It's possible Miami takes him but at 18. But I, I think he's there for Washington at 19. And if that's the case, he would be my pick um, over Jamin Davis. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that there's a trades to consider. And then that offensive line situation to me is really interesting as it pertains to, to Washington. Um. I think that the the offensive line situation is interesting because if the quarterbacks somehow were all gone in the top seven with Detroit trading or the top eight and Denver wasn't one of the teams that traded up, they're, they're going to start – if, if Sewell's already gone, they're going to take Slater. That is their biggest – you know, other than quarterback – and by the way, I've heard that George Payton actually likes Locke. And you know they'd like to they'd like a, a, another opportunity if they have one, but they have offensive line issues. That's offensive line and quarterback in Denver. So if if they didn't get their quarterback and they and they were there at nine, you know, unless you know Vic Fangio wants another big time playmaker on defense and he wants to add Micah Parsons to you know to Chubb and Von Miller, which would be interesting. They would go Slater, and then there's no chance that the third offensive lineman, Derisaw or Tucker, gets by Minnesota. To me, the biggest lock, other than you know uh, a couple of the teams that we've already talked about very early, is that the Vikings, if one of the top three offensive linemen, maybe the top four, including Vera Tucker, they're taking an offensive lineman. They desperately need O-line help, and all of their free agency movement was on defense. You know, Mike Zimmer basically said we had a terrible defense last year and they went out and they got Dalvin Tomlinson and they got Patrick Peterson and they added players defensively, which means they are at 14 really concentrating on adding that left tackle that they need because because Rife is gone. Um, so I, I, in fact, that would be a, a, a team. It wouldn't surprise me if Minnesota moved up to take one of the linemen if they thought one of the three wasn't going to drop to them. That would that would be a move that I would consider. Now, I, I the, the Atlanta thing we sort of already talked about, but who other than Denver would go all the way up to four? Right. So that that's the thing. Like now that it's sort of we're all said and done with this, um, it, you know, unless New England just gets super aggressive – you know, there's just not that many places or not many teams that would seem to be obvious. I mean, you know, the, you know, early in this process, oh, you know, could Miami take a quarterback? Well, no, that's not going to happen. Could the Lions take a quarterback? Well, you and I just discussed why I don't think that's the case, and there hasn't really been any discussion about it. I mean, Dallas obviously locked up their quarterback. Philadelphia, I mean, doesn't seem likely. They just traded. I would argue that they maybe should take a quarterback, but they – traded at a six. So if they really wanted a quarterback, they would have just stayed there and gone that route. So it doesn't, it, it's hard to see the team that, that would do it. And that's what I think makes Denver situation so interesting. Do they even need to move up to get a quarterback? Um, maybe, but like, even if Atlanta took one at four, who's jumping ahead of Denver to take the, the fifth quarterback. It, it's hard to see it. Now, again, you know, uh, it could be a team deeper down the list. The bears could say, Hey, we need to do something. We, we've got to change the narrative. People think you know, people are kind of all over us. We need to get some some positive mojo. And even though we have Andy Dalton, 
Like I feel like the Bears situation, while similar to Washington, they're under a lot. Their their coach and GM are under a lot more pressure to do something immediately than Ron I Rivera. Totally agree with that. So maybe it's a team like that, but in a in a general sense, it it does feel like it's sort of Denver's to team to move up, or I, I, it's hard to see an obvious team again. Maybe New England, but it just go, would go against Belichick's general nature. All right, um, I wanted to get to Ben wrote a really good column that he put out early this morning. Um, he's got you know his full Washington mock draft, okay, rounds one through seven, which by the way he's got Jamin Davis going nineteen to Washington, the linebacker from Kentucky. Um, I don't want you to give out obviously your whole thing, and your final mock draft that you will submit in the competition will be submitted when tonight. Yeah, it's a pencils down situation. I don't. Know if, I think it's like midnight, more or less. And I will take every minute because I. Uh, that's what I do. <laughs> okay, so you proposed. Um, you did your mock draft, what you called the straightforward draft for Washington. Um, by the way, you've got a player to them in the second round, Walker Little, the tackle out of Stanford that hasn't played a lot, injuries, et cetera, but a lot of people love. Um, Sam Monson from PFF said that they love Little, um, uh, that Pro Football Focus does. But anyway, um, you, you got you got to go uh, to the athletic to see the rest of his Washington straightforward draft. Then you've got something you call the trade draft. And I do want you to go through some of these what I think are very well thought out trades down, not up, and they end up getting players that sort of fill the need. Why don't you hit us with the first proposed Washington trade that you could see being made? And I'd ask of you, is this, you know, have you talked to people with respect to some of these trade ideas that led you to these possibilities? Yeah, I mean, so like I sort of said before in the earlier segment, just look at the board and there's just going to be, it just feels like there's some positions that there's a run about to happen or maybe it's the last player at that, you know, at a certain tier at that position sitting there. And, you know, again, if if a Derisaw or an Owusu Karamo is there, those are the types of guys I think Washington could say, let's logically just stay put, we get a player at a position of need, somebody we probably think is pretty good and, and there. But in like the board we present, Again, not discounting Jamin Davis or some others, but you know it feels like maybe you could get some of these guys a bit later, just based on the overall board and the position, and, and, and so on. Um, so my my thinking was sort of this: um, look, there's a bunch of teams that you could you know sort of consider for a trade scenario for 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 sure. Um, but like I look at a team like the Jets, the Jets have a ton of draft picks. They're at tw- they're sitting at 23. They have a ton of picks. Um, you know. Y- having a ton of picks means you can have an opportunity to, to, to draft a lot of players also means you can be aggressive and, and move up in spots. They're a team that needs cornerback. They're a team that needs offensive line. Uh, and Barrett Tucker could possibly be there. And if, like, a, that's a guy who I would have had for Washington yeah, 19 prior to the Eric flowers trade. But now I, I hold I on. So I, I want to stop you right there. I, I told Cooley this yesterday and we haven't talked about this, the Eric flowers trade. 
I don't think that the Eric Flowers trade means that Vera Tucker's off their board at 19. I mean, they, they may have an immediate need for guard when this season ends in Brandon Sheriff's final season. And by the way, Vera Tucker's just a better prospect than Eric Flowers is, you know, has a bigger upside. I know I, that was the immediate reaction. Is that your is that a definitive reaction from you that 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 Vera Tucker is off the board? By the way, he's versatile. He can play tackle potentially too. For for sure. I mean, this is just my logic, you know, trying to work through this. So Vera Tucker was going to be like when I did uh I, I did my whole first round mock at that point on Monday on my podcast, and you and I talked about it, I think on uh on your radio show Monday, and Vera Tucker was my pick at 19. Yes, he can play tackle. Most people see him at guard. He would be an upgrade, presumably over what they have at left guard now. And yes, right guard we know next year could be open. Um, and my sense from a long time ago was if Vera Tucker were to be available, Washington would very much be in favor of, of that, You know, uh, depending on what else is there. So to me, it made sense. But when you make this trade two, three days before the draft, like either it says, A, you don't think Vera Tucker would be there, or B, you are not going to take them. Because, like, I, I, I make this point, like, people, just to, when I've, when I've talked about Owusu Karamo before, I get tons of people on Twitter always saying, well, they already have Landon Collins and Jamin Dave and uh, Cameron Curl. Why would you bring in this guy? It doesn't make any sense. Like, they're kind of like using similar ways, but the way people think Owusu Karamo would be used. And I'm like, well, one, he's better, right. projects better. And two, this isn't just about this season. It's going forward, right? And Landon Collins may not even be on this team in, in, in a year. So don't worry about that. The problem is you could at least still play a Wusu Kormar this year and those other guys. I, I, if you draft Vera Tucker, what, what, how, where is everybody playing? You can't really – I mean – Well, he, if, might be, he might be your starting left tackle. Okay, so if, let's just say that's the, that's the case – so I by guess the way, this is, is ridiculous because he's not going to be available at 19. I think it's possible because of the position, you know, just hear the Gruden play the Gruden sign about soundbite now guard, yeah. you know, I mean, I think just from that perspective, he could, and you know, look uh, other positions if the quarterbacks and receivers kind of move up, somebody's going to have to fall. That's just the way it is. But my, my, my only thing is just like, I guess I just keep coming back to Sadiq Charles. They seem to be pretty high on him. We saw him for literally two snaps. I have no idea what to make of it. But they seem to be high on him. Okay, I, I just don't get what are they doing with him if they then draft another offensive lineman? Why go get Flowers? It, it just it, uh, look, and I get the Ousu Koromo is going to step in and play right away, especially on defense where you have more opportunities. An offensive line pretty much stays with whomever starts the game. There's not a lot of substitutions. So if Flowers is your starter, your veteran starter. Um, and Sheriff's your other guard. If it were Vera Tucker, maybe he doesn't play this year um, as a first-rounder, and you don't want that to happen. By the way, I would just also suggest that the Dolphins not only making that trade for basically 14 spots in the seventh round after they signed him to a three-year $30 million deal, um, and then they're going to pick up six of his $9 million in base salary next year. So Washington basically is barely committing anything to him. Is a bit of a red flag on Eric Flowers. 
You know, we know what he was as a tackle disaster with the Giants, and then he gets a contract based on playing guard here for one year. Good for him. And by the way, I was sort of in favor of, in trying to bring him back until he got $10 million a year. But there has to be a bit of a, of a, a, a concern. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick would know. He played with them last year, so maybe they went to Fitzpatrick and said, what do you think about Flowers? But why would Miami give him away for basically nothing? It almost cost him to give him away. Yeah, it's definitely a weird one, and I, I don't know enough about their situation, but looking at the – I pulled up the, um, you know, over-the-cap um, salary space for each team, and Miami was underwater with their effective cap space. They are now in the positive side, and you got, you do you need, do need money to sign draft picks, and they're another team that has a ton of picks, could be aggressive in multiple ways, maybe even trading for other vets, I don't know. So, you know, they, they needed to clear some space. Um, they do have a couple other options. It looks like um, they drafted Solomon Kinley last year. It sounds like they may be willing to move him into that spot. Yeah, it is a bit of a red flag. But, like, ultimately, though, for in terms of Washington, you know, again, like, I uh, I get, like, we, we all talk about the rationale, just get players and get players. At some point, you can't, like, there's only so much room for so many people. And, I like, Flowers, regardless of what the cost is money-wise, there is a cost on the roster. He is a he is a he does exist. And like, why would you pay even if it's not much money? Why pay this guy anything if he's not going to be your if he's not going to camp as your likely starter? And if he's your likely starter, uh, you know, again, Barrett Tucker. I'm not, I, I'm not saying it's impossible. If they like him, and I know they do. Then you have to consider it. But it's just like, wow, wh- where are they playing everybody? They're investing so much in this one position, a very very important position. But like it would just be sort of weird to me that you would make this trade for Flowers to then take another interior offensive lineman, most likely, uh, you know, two days two days later. All right. So back to your trade. You've included the Jets here on a trade back. Just understand something because when Ben said the Jets, people are thinking, no, 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 they're they're not, they're not trading number two. They've got the twenty third pick in the first round as well. That was off. Um, uh, that was off uh, the Jamal Adams trade, right? With Seattle, probably. Yeah. I'm guessing. All right, so spell out your idea for a trade back for Washington. Beyond that one? No, this one, one, because you didn't didn't finish it. I interrupted you. Oh, yeah, I got that. On on the Flowers thing. Yeah, I mean, like, so, you know, even – I think it's a reasonable thing if you're Washington and the board that Kevin and I presented where Jamin Davis is sitting there – you mentioned uh, Newsom. I, I mentioned Trayvon Morig. I think it's conceivable that any of those guys could be there at 23. The Jets might be trading up for Newsom, but, you know, okay. So, like, I guess my thing is, like, I would take the shot if I'm Washington that one of these players is probably not going to be that much different on my board than some other potential names here. So trading back, get more, uh, getting more picks, you know, is not is not a bad thing. And it kind of sets up what what I kind of went did from there. But, um, you know, uh, Getting more draft picks is is not a, is never a bad way to go, especially if you think that the player that you would take either could still be there or the or a comparable player would be there. You know when you trade down. All right, so you've got number nineteen and Washington's eighty second pick, which would be in the fourth round. That's no, that's their second third round pick. The second third round pick, their third round pick. Seventy four is the 49ers pick. Correct. So you've got their number one at nineteen and their second uh, third round p- a pick, their own, to the Jets to move back four spots 
and pick up the Jets' early third-round pick, very early, um, number two overall, right in the second in the third round, and number one forty-six overall. So that would be for the Jets in the fifth round. I'm trying to do the numbers here in my head. I think that would be in the fifth round. So to move back four spots, um, you're gaining a an early third and a fifth, and you've got to give up your later third-round pick. All right. Okay. I mean, I, I consulted the Jimmy Johnson trade chart and right. all that. Yeah. I, you know, didn't, uh, but that's not the end of it. That's not the end of this idea that you, you're putting together. There's a second part to this. At 23, they trade back again. You know, again, trying to look at the board. Okay, so, uh, you know, who, who's available for Washington? And, like, you know, in, I think for Washington's perspective, you know, I've heard that they're, they, they've explored some of the tackles that are projected in sort of that late first, early second range. Um, but guys like Sam Cosme from, from, from Texas – um, little who we mentioned earlier would be wouldn't be first it'd be later but you know guys like that um, so that could be something Washington may think hey we still want to get a tackle we can trade down those guys will be available um, or some other prospects and then you look at a situation what are the what, what teams are potentially wanting to move up and like I said you got to look and see what are the premium you know what are the most interesting players that some team might think we need to make a move on and I, and I look at Buffalo there's been obviously some buzz this week about the, uh, them and, and uh, Travis Etienne, the, the, the flashy running back out of Clemson. Buffalo definitely needs an upgraded running back. Etienne is a, is a, is a pass-catching threat, a dynamic presence, and that would be a really fun piece to add to that offense. But you look at the draft. So in this scenario we have here, right, the Steeler, or the Dolphins, you had taking Najee Harris at 18. Well, the Steelers, everybody kind of thinks they could take a running back. The Jags at 25 could easily take Etienne, pair him with Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, you know that that would make some sense. So the Bills, who like, if you're going to make a trade up and it's not for a quarterback, it's got to be for a piece that you think puts you over the top. The Bills were in the AFC Championship game last year without essentially a, a running game. So to me, this would make sense that they would think we are here and we need to make a move like this. So I had the Bills trading up with Washington um, to get that pick at 23, where they would jump Pittsburgh and Jacksonville to get yeah, ETN. The, the return for Washington beyond the pick, the 30th pick was this is where you get aggressive for next year. Next year where Washington could be in a position where they they, they want to look to make to get a, a quarterback either trade in the draft or use a pick to get the, your Matthew Stafford this time. So um, the, the deal more or less would be that the 30th pick, but also you're getting uh, Buffalo's second round pick next year. We obviously don't know what the, what the number is. It probably would be late in the second round, but uh, this would be a way to get more capital next year. Um, and by the way, last thing on that, the draft this year broadly is considered to be weaker than the normal in part because so many guys stayed in school, right? Right, Because of everything that's going on. And so next year's draft on the surface looks to be fairly deep, like pretty deep. So this would give you a chance, if nothing else, just to have another shot at what looks to be a pretty deep class. All right. So we're back at 30 now and Washington do you think Tr- Trevon Morig the safety from TCU will be there at 30 yeah you know in my like personal mock draft uh, uh, it's funny when I when I went with Damon Davis I did it based on the fact that in my personal mock draft I had 
Uso Karamoa gone, right? If, 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 if nobody cares about this, but if, if Vera Tucker had been there, Vera Tucker is going to be my like sort of main pick and Uso Karamoa would have been like one of my offshoot picks, like what might happen, you know, here's how this would look. But I didn't do that. I have Mowry going 25 to the Jags, which is not set in stone. So I was willing to play with it. But I, I, I've been told that Washington has shown some interest in him. Uh, they need a free safety. This is not a deep safety class. And I think it's conceivable he's there. Like I said, I don't think it's a slam dunk that everybody – No, not everybody thinks he's a first-round pick. I think a lot of people do. Um, so I, I think there's a decent chance he's there. It's a, it's, it's a minimum a puncher's chance that, that, that he's there. And if he is, I just think that would be a really a fun pick based on need, based on position, uh, strength, and weaknesses. And, you know, in this case, it's a guy who some people think is worthy of being picked even at 19, except now we've just added more picks, moved down – and, uh, you know, still address the, start, the starting lineup. I think a couple of things about your proposed trade. Uh, first of all, I, I don't I don't know what the Jets – the Jets could be going up for, for a number of things. I actually think the Jets have a bigger need at running back than the Bills do. They drafted Zach Moss last year. He wasn't healthy the entire year. Singletary sort of the change of pace, and Moss can be the pounded back. I, I think that they are better at running back than maybe it showed – in part because their quarterback ran so much. Your quarterback probably was their leading rusher, and I'm not even looking at the the numbers right now. Um, but um, so I, I wonder if the Bills would jump up that 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 high for for a running back. But regardless, it's very creative. I think what you did. I wonder whether Morig would be the pick potentially, even you know at 19. I know that would seem early, but. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Speed, smarts, um, you know, character. Another guy that was incredibly uh, well well coached, you know, on defense. Um, uh, uh, Gary, um, uh, why am I blanking on the TCU coach? Gary Patterson. Um, Gary Patterson is one of the best defensive minds in college football, um, and so uh, that. I could see there being a, a significant interest in Morrig. I, I, 19 seems early, and, and trading back and doing what you did and getting him at 30 would be phenomenal. By the way, um, la, two, two things left for Ben, whose mock draft, two-time mock draft champion, comes out tonight. Subscribe to The Athletic so you can read it uh, first thing tomorrow. Will Washington select a quarterback in this draft? And if so, who and where? Yeah, I mean, as you and I have discussed, it, to me, it doesn't make sense on certain logic levels. If I'm Washington, I'm going all in on the fact that I don't need anybody for this year because I've got Fitzpatrick plus two other guys that have shown some ability to play in the league. And I want to see, can I build this team up so that next year, if the Russell Wilson is really going to move out, he puts me on this list. I mean, if you if you made a list right now of the 10 most popular people in the NFL. I think Ron Rivera is arguably on it. He He's constantly praised by people all over the league. I think that's going to get out to quarterbacks. And if Washington were to actually, you know, improve off of what they did this past year, which is, it's a, we all, we all know the much tougher schedule facing better quarterbacks and there's challenges for sure. But you know, everybody's, everybody's a year older. Now you have a quarterback who's going to be more aggressive and, and you know more consistent, hopefully than what you had. I would rather go in that path and therefore not commit myself to any quarterback now. Now it's less of a commitment taking somebody in the second round than it is trading up a bunch of picks. So to me, if you say they're going to take one, where's it going to happen? That second round pick to me would be make more sense than the other ways. Um, Because look, in the worst case scenario, you don't want to bomb on a second round pick. Of course, we've seen that with Geis. 
with Sua Cravens already. But at least you're not trading up other stuff to 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 boot. And a quarterback is if you're going to bust on that spot, it's probably better to do it at quarterback if that makes sense because because of the, the the potential upside. Um, I know that they've looked at Davis Mills and Kyle Trask a bunch. I, I haven't heard really much about Kellen Mond with them. Um, to me, based on everything I've seen, read, heard, if I, if you make me pick between those two, I would go with Davis Mills. Uh, he is he's a guy who I think people think would be a first round pick if he had stayed in one more year. He doesn't have the experience. Uh, he only put, started eleven games, but he's got so many of the skills people look for um, in 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 the prototype quarterback. He he was running the huddle at Stanford. You know, he was having to be the leader of men in the huddle. He had to take the command of the situation in a pro style offense, and and, and I think that people. Um, do like him. So if they're going to take one, I, I think he would be the one to consider. Uh, again, Justin Fields, I think you and I both have heard or think that if they were to trade up in the first round for a quarterback, that would be him. It just feels like it's overly complicated and dramatic to do it. But at 51, look, if you tell me that the three quarterbacks in the second round go ahead of 51, I mean, I guess anything is possible. And we know people get panicky over quarterbacks, but I think there's a decent chance that one, if not all of them are still there at 51 and Mills would be the one that I would go with if I had to pick one. Um, I think that if they do trade up in the first round to take a quarterback, it's fields. I felt that way going back to the you know end of January, early part of February. Um, I, I really don't have any sense of what they think of Lance. I know I've seen all the, the, the conversation about, you know, whether it's a Lombardi report or whatever, but I think it would be for fields. And I, personally think that if they don't do that they're not going to select a quarterback in this draft that would be where I would place the odds and if they do you know this is the first time I've heard um, that maybe you've told me this in the past uh, but I haven't heard anybody else say this that the two quarterbacks that aren't among the top five that they've shown some level of interest in are Mills and Trask and not Mond Um, I don't know enough about Mills. I know a lot as a college football fan about Trask. Cooley doesn't like any of them. Cooley, on all the second-tier quarterbacks after the first five, basically thinks he'd have a fourth-round grade on all of them, even though he recognizes that you know they'll be picked maybe as high as the second round, or maybe even at the end of the first round, you know, to get a fifth-year option. You know, maybe Mills goes to Tampa at thirty-two, you know, as the heir apparent to Brady or Trask does. I don't know, um, but. Uh, if they were to take a quarterback in this draft, second or third round, personally, I hope it's Trask. And if it is, you know, keep in mind that means Kyle Allen more likely than not is gone. You know, he's not going to be on the roster next year. I guess you know, it, it's not like it was a lot of money um, to Heineke, um, and so I guess it could be a battle for the third spot, and it wouldn't necessarily be the third string, but it would be the third spot. You're not going to draft a quarterback in the second round and not keep him on the roster. You know, if it's Davis Mills or Kyle Trask or anybody in the second or third round, I promise you that quarterback's going to be on the roster next year. And so one of the other two is gone. Um, And I think on some level, Ben, it's weird, even though clearly they wanted Stafford, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about how they would be aggressive for the right guy. I think it's Fields, whatever, if they were. Um, I still think that they there is some belief in Kyle Allen and intrigue in Taylor Heineke and that they're going to be okay without adding a quarterback, like you said. 
And I that's my that's my bet is that you don't get a quarterback. And if you do, it's late in the draft, and it's a guy that would be on your practice squad next year. So you know, one of the things that's so interesting about this draft is, if, from the Washington perspective, is. Look, everybody is trying to figure out what they might do. By doing that, people are looking up what Marty Herney did in Carolina and what Martin Mayhew did in Detroit. And guess what? Almost none of that matters. <laughs> Why doesn't it matter? Because one, they were effectively running the show themselves. Now, at a minimum, they're working with each other. But also, neither of them is in charge. The guy in charge is Ron Rivera. Yep. Now, Ron Rivera loves Kyle Allen, right? I mean, one of the whole points about the Alex Smith end was the way that Ron Rivera said, yeah, we could have done the same thing with yeah. Kyle Allen, which I think people probably saw, if not an intended shot at Alex Smith, arguably could be interpreted in that way. And then we saw what, what happened from there. But okay, if, if Ron Rivera likes Kyle Allen that much, a guy who has shown the ability to play in the league, not saying he's had great success, but the ability to play, you're going to tell me he's throwing that guy out? That doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you throw at any quarterback you think can play? And he thinks Kyle Allen can start. So if that's the case, it doesn't make any sense. Yet they then gave Taylor Heineke some guaranteed money. Kyle Allen, no. So to me, that said, we're interested in Heineke. We, Kyle Allen is coming off the injury, so we want to protect ourselves. And at that point, they still didn't have Fitzpatrick. I guess they figured they would get somebody. Um, that's why it just doesn't make any sense to me that they would then take a quarterback. Uh, because like you said, that uh, a drafting quarterback, especially day two, that guy's making the team. By the way... Fitzpatrick has never been with this team. He's a veteran. He'll figure it out, of course, but he needs the reps. Um, Rivera is claiming there's a quarterback competition. That means two people. It's not going to be Fitzpatrick and a rookie who's not (laughs) any rookie, but not not if it's it's a day two guy. So now you have to get reps for two quarterbacks battling for the starting job in theory. Fitzpatrick will start, but this is not my terms. He's saying competition. And then – you have to get his other rookie quarterback going. That's a lot of reps. We just saw this in 2019. That's tough. Jay Gruden told me, "Don't do that." It's not. It's you know, that's a tough. That's a tough scenario to deal with. So there's too many variables to me. Scream, they're not going to do it, except for the one obvious one. If you see a quarterback you like, you take it, and that's just a matter of how much do they actually love one of these guys. And if they love him that much, then they should arguably take him at 19. I mean, if you think he's that good that you can't pass on him, well, I mean, that's something to consider. So to me, the signs point to no quarterback. It just depends on how much they actually like any of these guys. I agree with you. Um, The only way they end up with a quarterback on this roster, I believe, is if they trade up or if somebody like Mac Jones fell to them at 19, um, like a first-round guy. Um, by the way, just adding to the Kyle Allen, and I just I, I went and found this because I remember reading it the other day from Sally's column where she had some you know interest. I thought there was a couple of new pieces of information or quotes at least. And in talking about Kyle Allen, we know the quote that you referred to, which was you know at the end of the year we yeah we would be in the same position if Kyle Allen hadn't gotten hurt. I mean, it wasn't necessarily a shot, I don't think, at Alex Smith, but it was a true, honest moment, which, by the way, I completely agree with, you know, after watching Kyle Allen against the Giants and for a half against the Rams and, you know, it's et cetera. Um, uh, and, and I thought that, you know, they were a, a professionally competent offense as they became with, with, uh, with Alex Smith as well. But there was this additional quote from Rivera to Sally about Kyle Allen. 
Um, she writes, reluctant to test Smith's leg, Rivera felt most comfortable with undrafted Kyle Allen, a dogged worker he calls, quote, a very steady force. He's a, hey, all right, whatever you want me to do, I'll do guy, closed quote. That's what Rivera wants. Rivera is still very much on a, on a high level, on a high priority level, looking for a total culture change. He doesn't want guys that won't do whatever it takes, that aren't all bought in. And Kyle Allen's that guy. He's Ron's guy to a certain degree. I think he's Scott Turner's guy to a certain degree as well. I think Scott Turner would have loved to have started Kyle Allen from the jump last year. It's it's why, you know, Jeremy Reeves ended up getting the opportunity instead of Eric Reed, who was told, if you come here, you're going to have to earn it, and you might be on the practice squad to start. And Reed said no, and they said, fine, we're going to reward the guy that worked hard. I don't see a quarterback unless it's a trade-up. And if it is a trade-up, I predict it would be for Fields somewhere in the top eight. Um, the, or- the only thing I guess said would be, like, Davis Mills, there are, I've talked to people in the league who kind of almost wish that he had stayed in Stanford both for himself, but also for selfishly, I think for their purposes, because they think based on logical progressions, he would be in the first round conversation next year. Um, And so I guess you have to decide if you really think that's the case. I know this is easier said than done. Like, I don't think Kyle Trask is a first round quarterback. I I just don't think, I don't think his ceiling is that interesting. I think Mills has interesting ceiling. So Washington has two picks in a third, this second. So like, Part of my scenario here that we just didn't we didn't get into, which is fine. But like, I had a third trade in which I then packaged some of the other stuff that we got and then moved back up higher to allow uh, to take both if you wanted to a quarterback in round two, but also an offensive tackle, another premium position. So if they think Mills in particular or any of them, I guess, would be a first round pick if they had stayed one more year, screw it, then then, then, then then do it, and you do need a long-term answer. But like for all the reasons we just said, it just doesn't seem to make sense based on what they've done that that's where things are headed. Will Ben have a big surprise in his final mock draft? He'll answer that right after this word from one of our sponsors. Subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done it already. It doesn't cost you anything. Rate us and review us, especially on Apple Podcasts, if you haven't done that as well. Um, That helps us uh, from a revenue generation standpoint. Helps us a lot. Ben Standing is our guest. He writes for The Athletic. Uh, If you subscribe to The Athletic, which I would urge you to do, tell them that you subscribed um, because you want to read Ben. Uh, All right, Ben, final question. Your mock draft comes out tonight, your final version. It will be entered into this competition that you've won twice. I don't want you to give away your mock draft here, obviously. I want people to subscribe to The Athletic to see the whole thing. But give me – there's always a big surprise – somebody that you didn't think was going to be uh, mocked into the first round or somebody that was guaranteed to be a first-round guy that ends up not being in your first round right now, do you have a big surprise that you could share with us? I will just say, if, you go, if, you're, if you're a subscriber or become a new one, if you go to the comment section and leave a comment, if you write, uh, this is why I subscribe to The Athletic, people in my company like when people do that. Yeah. That's all I'll say. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I, I guess I'm trying to figure out here. I mean, I, I'm still sort of toying around with specific places and, and, and teams. I guess two, uh, 
I don't know what I would hang my head on. I guess I'll just say this. Well, one change for me has been trying to guess who's the wide receiver for uh, all this time. We, we're assuming Chase, Waddle, Devonta Smith are the top three, you know, I think in that order. Um, wide receiver four, I think Kadarius Toney was the guy for a long time. Uh, you know, when the mock drafts started, uh, he was a, a, a guy who was sl- picked uh, slotted to Washington. But then they got Curtis Samuel, and now that doesn't make any sense to me that you would add a, a similar player. I think I don't think he's going to be in my first round mock. Ultimately, it just feels like even though there's a lot of talent there, it feels like the um, the red flag aspect of it uh, in various ways, or, or just I don't know, people are getting a longer look. Feels like for him, it's going south. On the flip side. Feels like Elijah Moore from Mississippi, who has been uh, a, a popular name throughout. But you know, one of these receivers, he's super small but super fast. You know, was more of a second rounder. I, I think he is now much more in the first round conversation than I would have thought even a couple of weeks ago. So um, that would be—I don't know if that's a major surprise, but that would be a flip based on how the conversation has been for the majority of the last three months. I think the thing about Tony is really interesting because he was mocked very high. Then he was mocked much lower. Like I even saw maybe three weeks ago, Tony in like the early third uh, round. And now he's back into the first round. I think the receivers are really interesting in this draft. Um, after the top three, you know, a lot of people really love Bateman and Bateman's another guy that I thought about at 19 in our original mock draft. You know, after we both selected Davis, I thought Newsom and I thought Bateman's a possibility. He would be an incredible compliment, um, to, uh, ter- to Terry McLaurin. Um, but to me, Tony is like this electrifying playmaker possibility at the next level, which, you know, we've seen in Kansas city, obviously with Hill, um, and I'm not saying he's Hill, but when you watch Kadarius Tony and, and certainly Florida's scheme, and Cooley pointed this out the other day, Mullen's great. Their offense is great, and people are open all the time. But when he catches it in traffic, the quick, short movements to make people miss and then the acceleration, it looks like Hill. And, you know, anybody right now, if told you could draft Tariq Hill, would take the player number one overall. Pretty much, he's that much of an of a game changer in the NFL, and, and the re- receiver position is becoming that more and more. We're going to see a lot of receivers, a lot of receivers in the first two to three rounds, a ton this year. Yeah, and and, and you know, like obviously, like signing Curtis Samuel and, and for the price they got, nobody's going to say that was a bad move, and I'm not either. Uh, proven player and uh, you know, great speed, all well, that. Plus, he can be a, a part time running back for you. Right, for sure. But part of the reason why, like, I was not advocating going crazy on receiver was, okay, well, if you look at the draft board at 19, tons of receiving options available. Also, as we've seen the last few years, day two, day day two in particular, uh, lots of guys have come off the board who are going to be really good. Uh, you know, uh, it's not going to surprise any of us, or shouldn't, that if there's some, whoever the A.J. Brown or Terry McLaurin or D.K. Metcalf of this year's class is a guy who was went around two or three for whatever the reason. So it just, to me, I'm not saying it's receivers off the board, but like for Tony, like at some point for me, this is sort of my thing with the, when we talked before about the, the offensive line, at some point it can't just be, I'm tacking on talent. It has to be a rationale. Well, how am I using him? And I don't see logically how Tony is being used with Curtis Samuel. So that's why I would toss him out. And while I like Bateman a lot and would absolutely like to watch him every Sunday, it just feels like that's a lot of investment at receiver when I already have McLaurin and Samuel at a position where I've got a bunch of lottery tickets already and I can get 
guys who could contribute probably on the fourth round. I don't need to spend 19 when I have other other needs. Great job. Um, very thorough. Uh, I like the way we did it today. Uh, Ben's got a lot more. Um, follow him on Twitter at Ben Standig. Listen to his podcast, Standig Room Only, and obviously subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, I will talk to you tomorrow uh, or beyond, um, but thank you for doing this today. Uh, absolutely. See ya. Hope you enjoyed this draft uh, show with Ben. Another one will be out a little bit later on this afternoon or tonight with Stanford Steve uh, from Scott Van Pelt Sports Center.